Welcome to the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series, where your host, Andy Jacob, interviews leading entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs about their incredible companies and discusses their unique entrepreneurial journeys. If you're the CEO or founder of an exciting and exceptional company, the editorial team of Dotcom Magazine welcomes you to pitch your business story to appear on this exciting interview series by reaching out to Mr. Jacob at Dotcom Magazine at dotcommagazine.com. And without further ado, here is another amazing entrepreneurial story on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. Good afternoon, everyone. Andy Jacob here with the .com Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. And today's show is going to be a very important show. If you ever wanted to learn about fintech, we have the man that's actually behind the scenes of many of the fintech opportunities that you're seeing out in the world today, Mr. Richard Stegel, the Chief Executive Officer of Urban FT is joining us on the show today. Richard, it's such a delight to finally get you on the show. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Andy. Never had such an enthusiastic welcome, but I appreciate it. Well, I'm very enthusiastic because what you're doing over at Urban FT. Now, Urban FT is involved in the fintech space, and you're basically the infrastructure that's actually driving a lot of innovation in the space right now. So let's go ahead and pull the lens back to 30,000 feet, and let's just have you tell us a little bit about Urban, Urban FT and what you guys do. <clears throat> you know, if I do take it all the way up to 30,000 feet, one of the best ways of describing Urban FT today and the, the purpose that we serve in the marketplace is to take all these wonderful um, solutions that have come into the ecosystem over the last 10 years to make consumer and business um, financial activities more seamless, more intuitive, um, more accessible. Um, you know, a lot of the payment um, companies, a lot of the bank and credit union um, brands out there, they've struggled to really keep up with this innovation um, because a lot of the innovation is coming from startups, early stage companies, um, and people outside of the traditional banking and payment space. So it's created a need for these uh, financial institutions, the banks, the credit unions, the neo banks, the challenger banks, and so on. If they don't have their own embedded technology, they've got to go out and, and source that technology themselves. And with the you know, just the sheer volume of solutions that are available, um, there is now a requirement uh, for internal R&D departments to be connecting with and contracting with um, an, an endless uh, number, a labyrinth in, in a sense, of um, different vendors. And, you know, this is an emerging problem that has crept up on us. And we've come in and solved that by effectively creating this centralized hub uh, of technology, a single integration point where a financial institution can access any and every product that they need, uh, whether it's existing today 
or whether it's going to be dreamt up in two, three, five years' time from now. And we refer to that as the, as the fintech core. See, that's very interesting. So with your fintech core, a financial institution talks to someone at Urban FT and you engage with them and you provide them what they need to be really a fintech company. Is that sort of the way it works? Yes, in essence. I'd probably describe it a little bit differently, though. I would say we work with a financial institution to determine what sort of products and services do they need to take into their communities to empower uh, those within their communities. When we understand what they're trying to solve for, we then come up with a solution um, that brings it all into that centralised place to help them be innovative on the bleeding edge and to be incredibly, um, in a sense, relevant and competitive um, in the financial services that they are providing. So is there a different suite of products for, let's say, a national bank versus a a community bank? Do they different? They have different needs because they're serving the community in different ways? Is that sort of the way that it works here? Let's put it this way. Uh, a national bank is going to give you a far more generalized product suite that they think uh, will appear, appeal to the masses. A regional and community bank uh, has the ability to either on their own or with us for that matter, tailor a set of products that meet their specific demographic in their specific geography. And let's say you've got an, uh, an older population, a younger population, more of a business-minded population versus more of a consumer-minded uh, population that you're serving. You have different needs. And by being a smaller, more nimble institution, more focused on the community, um, you're able to actually meet those needs probably more so than what some of the bigger national brands can do. That's very interesting. And you deliver many different solutions, I would imagine, like mobile banking solutions, payment solutions, perhaps identity verification solutions and the like. Um, when we're talking about fintech and we're talking about banking, one of the first things that comes to mind is security, security of data, security of the, the people, security of the of the fintech infrastructure or core, if you will. So tell us how you have been able to approach that and tell us why Urban FT is a leader in the field in that regard. Firstly, um, I think a lot of um, security breaches happen because of unnecessary data transfer, unnecessary data storage, whether it's in uh, deep storage, whether it's simply cached. Um, setting your systems up in an archaic manner um, is ultimately what leads to the sort of scary things we read about. Uh, we are entirely cloud-based. We're entirely, um, in fact, we operate in a serverless cloud-based environment. And that really means that um, we don't have physical infrastructure that can be hacked. We don't have endpoints. We don't have um, sort of tunnels into things. That's one of the first areas that you've got to ensure that you're supremely confident in your ability to protect data. More importantly, we never touch personalized data um, unless it is absolutely mission critical to the specific service we're providing. Um, and we operate alongside a, 
alongside of a financials um, banking core or transaction processor. And where there is PCI-related data um, or other sensitive forms of data, such as transactional data, um, we always rely on the storage of that data to be conducted by the banking core or the transaction processor. Um, so by absolute um, design, um, we have relied on um, the extensive uh, processes and procedures that these other parties need to follow in order to protect user data. And we've also um, shut down any potential uh, ability for people to penetrate our systems. Wow, that's, that's outstanding. And obviously the success of Urban FT and the companies and the banks that you work with is a testament to what you're able to do from a security standpoint. Now, if we look at FinTech sort of in general, we see a lot of apps that are coming online. We're seeing a lot of different types of strategies for people to try and get in on this FinTech revolution and, and uh, help as many customers as they can, Richard. So if I was to take this out maybe five years or 10 years, and, and I know you've been doing this for many, many years and being one of the leaders in the field, where do you see all this going? How do you see FinTech sort of changing the communities that we live in and, and how does it empower people going out into the future? Firstly, I look at FinTech and um, really appreciate the fact that it has changed the way in which we all interact with money. Um, like many people in business, as COVID came in, I was uh, deeply concerned about the impact that COVID might have on our uh, revenues on our business, on, on the staff we employ. And, you know, through, I guess, um, good fortune and good luck and some good planning, um, we were actually very resilient to the impact of COVID. Uh, the main reason being uh, everyone is interacting with their money in, in a digital manner now. And so whether it's the digital banking capabilities we have, the instant account opening, whether it's, um, uh, you know, the digital payments, uh, they're interacting with everything in a digital manner. <clears throat> and that underscores really where um, fintech is going. We, we had a discussion uh, start evolving probably around eight years ago. Every bank needs a digital banking strategy. Well, that's old news now. And if they don't have it, I, I dare say they're not really in business. Um, but the new term that is out there now is every bank needs a digitization strategy. Everything from uh, how to open business accounts, how to update signature cards, how to get loan documentation signed, basically how to do everything that the internal, uh, that you might have once gone into a branch to do. And you know, a lot of this change has come about because you see these NEO and challenger banks. Um, they're doing things differently. They have the embedded technology capabilities themselves. They are theoretically going after the market share that the traditional banks and credit unions have because they're approaching things differently. And as much as I think they're serving a very real need in the market today, and as much as I think they're serving the the communities or the, the subsectors quite well, 
<clears throat> they still don't provide, for the most part, um, complete uh, banking solutions. So at Urban FT, what we've done is we bring this embedded technology, all these capabilities that they need in order to be innovative. We've looked at what um, the NEO and Challenger banks are doing successfully. And we're really saying, you don't need to lose out to the NEO and Challenger banks. You can actually deliver the same capabilities that they are delivering. Plus, you're supporting it within branch um, capabilities, in-person um, support, and you've got a complete banking solution. You, you have lending products, credit products, um, and that still underscores the real value that traditional banks bring over the non-traditional. And But I think fintech is, has been something that's been tested and proven by the non-traditional, and now the banks and or the more traditional FIs are saying, all right, it's time we catch up, and we're allowing that to happen. That's very interesting. Just from a personal experience, what bothers me with my banking, and I use one of the big national banks, is it doesn't seem to be as seamless as it could. For example, if I want to apply for a mortgage, or I want to apply for an auto loan, or, or I want to open up a business account, or I want to open up an additional business account, or get a credit card, it seems like there's right now a lot of steps still to get through to sort of do those types of transactions. Will there be a day when it becomes even more streamlined than what it currently is? Um, there absolutely will be a day. And the reason there'll be a day is one, I think the smaller banks have an opportunity to do it first and they'll do it because they're serving the customer. The bigger banks will do it because they wanna save money. And we look at really, the bigger banks are driven by creating year-on-year um, uh, -year increases to the, um, the earnings per share um, and the net tan tangible asset backing per share. That's all that really motivates them. Um, so they will do it for different reasons. The regional and community banks, they will do it because it provides a better service. Uh, but I agree with you, even simple things for us as a business. We also bank with one of the big national banks um, because we need that national presence because we've got offices across the country. Uh, with that said, my CFO is based in a different state. If we need to change a signature card, we need to be in the same place at the same time, um, especially during days of COVID where travel isn't really as frequent. It's almost absurd uh, for that to be the case. So um, both from a practical standpoint and also from a margin standpoint, you will see it. I think people's motivations for why we're seeing it will be very different. Interesting. Now, Richard, you hear a lot of chatter online, uh, on television, in all the media about the possibility, especially now with the COVID pandemic, that maybe the old fashioned dollar bill is gonna go away. Uh, do you see that possibly happening? And, and how does the banking system through, through FinTech um, make that possibly go away? Or do you feel that it's just gonna be impossible for that ultimately to go away altogether? You know, this is more of a philosophical discussion. Um, 
I, I, again, I think there are different motivations. I'm sure the government themselves would like to see the dollar bill go away because once everything's funneled through uh, electronic channels, it's a lot easier to keep track of people's taxes that are due. Um, I think on the other hand, you know, the number of friends and colleagues that I have and we joke about the fact that we just don't carry much money around with us now because everything is paid um, for using your card. Um, in the US, we finally caught up with tap and pay. Um, we're doing so much uh, with our in-app payments. Um, it, it, it's sort of a rarity to be using um, cash. I think we're using it for tipping. Uh, I know I took my kids to an apple orchard a few days ago and um, they only accepted cash. Um, I do believe personally that it's probably inevitable that um, cash will eventually become obsolete, whether it's ruled out. Um, that's probably more of a philosophical and fundamental discussion than, than we have time for here. That makes a lot of sense. You know, we, we do have a lot of people that watch the show, both, you know, younger entrepreneurs and younger um, CEOs and founders. And we do have people that fashion themselves as, as zeitgeists and futurists and people that like looking into the future. And, and uh, it, I'm sure it's very interesting for them to think about what banking might look like in the future. For example, I, I had a conversation recently with someone that says, oh, there won't be any banks. It's all going to be done on your phone. And, and the only reason why you would need a bank is to go in with your cash. And since cash is going to be eliminated, everything will be done on your phones and ultimately sort of in your brain. So I know that you've been in the business a long time and that's why I ask about it. Richard, if I was to think about a bank or a, or a, or a local um, community bank, that, that doesn't have your type of service, you already mentioned that they're pretty much gonna be already out of business. So if we look at Urban FT over the next three years and five years, where do you see Urban FT going since the infrastructure or the core that you provide is, is already you know, in a lot of hands of mostly all the community banks and national and federally chartered banks in the country right now? Mm. Firstly, none of us have a crystal ball and we're all very um, capable of speculating where things may go. Um, I think scenario planning is an essential part of success and you can't be fixated on any one particular scenario because the best part about this industry is that a year from now, something will pop up that we didn't even see coming. And that's the most exciting part about it. But the thing that we did to differentiate ourselves from nearly every one of our perceived competitors um, and to ensure that we maintain a very strong uh, and relevant relationship with our clients is that no matter what it is that comes, our architecture is all about being able to ingest that new capability on their behalf and provide access to that capability through our platforms in a very seamless way. Um, uh, streamlined manner. Um, but in terms of what do I see as the future, uh, I really believe that, um, and, and I may get some of my terminology, um, it may sort of straddle multiple sectors within the, within the finance 
ecosystem. But ultimately, I think you're right. Banks are not going to have branches per se. We've got ATMs that give you access to cash. You can deposit cash through ATMs. Um, I think cash is a, is a non-issue. Right now, uh, you've got branches for servicing and ultimately you've got branches because banks only make money by lending money. Banks only make money by charging you interest on things. And as much as I think a lot of that will uh, again go to the online um, model, um, think of it as banks such as Chase, B of A, Wells Fargo, having pods within shopping malls. And think of them as being quasi um, financial planners. You're going to go up and say, look, I'm looking to buy a house. What's my best option? I'm looking to refinance my home loan. What's my best option? And I do believe that uh, banks will reinvent themselves uh, and reinvent their service model to the point that they're going to consult uh, with customers on everything outside of transactional banking. Um, because they need to consult, because they need to have that personal touch so that you borrow from one bank over another. Um, so I think we'll see transactional banking will not need any form of physical presence, um, but merely because of the business model, uh, they'll probably bring in some form of um, rebirthed um, service model. Well, I'm very happy to hear that because many of the... <clears throat> technologists that we speak with at dotcom magazine they talk about eliminating that personal touch altogether and eliminating the person-to-person -person advisory role and i do agree with you that makes a lot of sense in the way that you uh, said it with regard to the way they make money and what they're going to need to do from a consultative basis makes all the sense in the world now richard i want to just turn the uh turn the the questioning to more of entrepreneurship and leadership now, if you don't mind, because we do have a lot of younger CEOs and younger entrepreneurs that watch the show. And we try and impart some wisdom from some of our uh, more successful CEOs, Richard. And, and, and I'd like to ask you, what is the single most important thing when you wake up in the morning that you're thinking about in order to continue Urban FT to continue to the heights that you've already been able to attain and, and, and reach even higher heights? What's the thing that makes you get going in the morning? You know, I might actually take a step back from that because I think when you're an entrepreneur, um, especially when you're a younger entrepreneur, and I've been a younger entrepreneur, um, it's very hard to ever accept that the idea you have might need to change because it wasn't the best idea to start with. And there is nothing wrong with pivoting uh, and there's nothing wrong with pivoting often. You don't wanna spin yourself in circles, but you can't um, be too proud to um, stick to something that's not working. The second thing which I'd say is you have to be able to accept that you were wrong um, on occasions. And no one is ever right 100% of the time. Um, you have to accept and embrace the mistakes you make um, because 
when you can do that, those around you, those that you work with, those that support you, and those that, frankly, you're going to need from time to time, um, they will respect you a whole lot more um, for being able to accept your failures, learn from them, embrace them, and um, sort of, in a sense, lick your wounds afterwards, and they will support you. And that was one of the things that I, I probably, <clears throat> I was painfully slow at learning that. So as I come back to the success of Urban FT, we've been able to pivot. Um, we've been able to move with the times. I have a saying that my idea is the best idea until someone comes up with a better one. But I invite better ideas. You've got to start with an idea, but you've got to be open-minded to the fact that others are going to have better ideas. And when you hear that, you latch onto it. And so, you know, I really start my day um, with a list of stuff that I've got to get done. Well, actually, I start it with a coffee because apparently I'm grumpy if I don't have my morning coffee. Then I get to my list of what I've got to get done. I do my best to listen what everyone's telling me. And then I have to make decisions based on the information, the facts in front of me. And I have to be conscious of the fact that um, in order to be innovative, um, you've got to consider everything. And you're going to make the best judgment call you can, generally based on gut instinct. See, that's that's very very sage and wise advice. And you have a number of people on your team, and based on the philosophy that you just shared with our with our viewers, I'd like to ask you: when you bring someone on your team to work at Urban FT. Is there one single most important thing that you're looking for in either a characteristic or a mindset of people that you allow to join the team over at Urban FT? <laughs> um, there's probably a few things we do. Um, and some of these things are more recent. We start off by telling them all the problems we've got. We start off telling them everything that doesn't or isn't currently um, going to plan because you don't want to pretend that you don't have problems and we don't have fundamental problems, but you don't want them coming in thinking this is um, all stitched up and we're all good. And um, we want them to come in knowing that they're going to have to come in and fix things. They're going to come in and improve things. They're going to have the ability to come in and put their stamp on this company and the success and grow with this company. Um, the second thing we do is, aside from skill or experience, we look for genuine um, dedication to the cause. Do they truly believe in our vision? And the best thing we can do is test as to whether or not they've been listening to us during the interview process. And then we ask them to articulate what their vision for this company is. And if they've truly been listening, and if they truly have a vision, their vision is going to be quite uh, inspirational to even us. Hearing your own vision given back to you, but with a new perceptive or a fresh uh, take is really inspiring. And that actually helps keep everyone, including me, motivated. And then the final thing is, do we think they're the best person for the job? And we never look at the job based on title or the job description. 
we really break every job down into the functional requirements that that we need to be uh, that need to be served within that area. Uh, we define the job around the functional requirements, and we look to see if the individual is wired to best address those functional requirements. Ultimately, that's how we end up hiring the people and bringing people in. See, I love that idea. I love the idea where you interview someone and at the end of the interview, you ask the potential candidate to explain back to you what your vision is. And if they are able to explain it back in a powerful way to actually motivate you, you know that they're, they're possibly a real winner. Is that what you're saying? It's not only that they're a real winner, um, I always used to say, I want to know how my staff explain to their friends over a drink what they do. And you've really just heard firsthand how they're going to go home and explain it to their significant other, how they're going to explain it to their friends down at the bar, um, or how they even think about their own job. See, that's a real gem. I, you know, I've interviewed a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of CEOs, Richard, and that that is a real gem. That's one that you need to write your own book on and base it all on that one premise right there. If we're looking at your your success uh, as a professional, Richard, is there anyone that you look to or any books that you've enjoyed reading or any <clears throat> mentors that you've had or any uh, any companies that you look up to that you try and learn from because you need to have a source of inspiration yourself. So who do you go for that type of inspiration? You know, that's an interesting statement because, um, you know, four or five years ago, the number of people that would come up to me and say, oh, I've been reading about jobs and I've been reading about, you know, how Google was founded. And they're trying to mold themselves around the success of others. And it actually really bothers me uh, tremendously to see people doing that. Um, I categorically say I don't want to be defined by anyone else or I don't want to follow anyone else's plan on how they got from point A to point B. Um, I think that's actually a recipe for disaster. You've got to really create um, your own vision, your own story, your own um, path to success. Um, with that said, uh, early on in, in my sort of, we'll call it entrepreneur, entrepreneurial journey, uh, I did always find Richard Branson to be quite an inspiring figure. Um, I think the thing that I liked was that he was willing to be provocative. Um, he did not follow uh, in the footsteps of um, what the sort of... Uh, British corporate um, bureaucracy had lined up for most people uh, back then. Uh, he, he went out with a very controversial brand. He first cornered records and he moved into um, leisure and travel, uh, money, uh, and a, a whole sort of um, franchise of, of industries. Um, I think the mistake that someone like a Branson made was that he sort of just maintained the status quo. He, he wasn't able to take that franchise and, and keep it modern and, and relevant. Um, but, you know, back to my first point, 
if you want to follow in the footsteps of others, you're inevitably going to go off track. You have to create your own path and be willing to follow the sort of um, principles that Branson did by being controversial, but delivering something of significant value um, that really shakes things up and gets people following you and gets people admiring your own journey. See, that's, uh, again, another another wise statement from Richard Stegel. Richard, you as a CEO of Urban FT most likely meet with and talk with other high-level CEO-type executives. And when you talk with executives from either the banks or the or the uh, community banks that you're doing business with, is there anything that surprises you in your conversations with these higher level people that that someone might not even believe? What I think, and I, I find, uh, I don't know how to say this, I, I find it reassuring when I speak to a lot of the industry participants, um, people in the big banks, they spend so much time, so much money understanding where the pulse of the industry is and where it's heading. Um, and they have so much data at their hands, but they're unable to do anything with it. They, they cannot move quickly enough. They cannot even come to a decision on which way to move quickly because there is so much bureaucracy, so many teams out doing or considering similar things that you end up with a clash of the titans. And, you know, I, I can give you a very good experience, uh, sorry, example. Um, one of our most recent um, additions to our board of directors is someone called Aditya Menon. He was the former head of global digital strategy for Citibank. And I met him when he was at Citibank. And um, they created this Citibank uh, mobile challenge, I think it was referred to, where they opened up their APIs and had small fintechs, including ourselves, come and build on top of these APIs to show great things. And I remember having a very candid conversation with him where uh, I said, look, is Citibank actually going to use any of this? And he said, they may, but really the purpose of this is to try to show the Citibank employees or try to help Citibank employees think outside of the box. And, um, you know, again, Citibank had a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of resources, but just wasn't able to move quickly. Um, so I love meeting these people. I love comparing notes with them. I love taking um, their intel, if, if I can refer to it as that, and I love beating them to the punch. See, what you mentioned earlier about Urban FT providing a seamless type of a, of a program for your clients is very, very important. And it also sounds to me like you appreciate the fact and other entrepreneurs watching the show should appreciate the fact that as you become even a larger company, it makes sense to try and stay nimble. 
Would you think that that's something that's one of the reasons for, Ur for Urban FT success at this point? I truly believe that it, it is um, an essential component to success. And I think the only way to do it is to ensure that you don't inadvertently allow bureaucracy to come into your business. Um, because even as a, um, uh, you know, we're no longer a startup. I refer to ourselves as an early stage company. But the temptation to allow bureaucracy to set in um, is too great. Uh, and bureaucracy comes in because people say you need uh, more processes. You definitely need process. Otherwise, things go off the rails. You don't want process for process sake. And um, the best thing you can do is empower your management team to be making real-time decisions in terms of execution and strategy um, and ensure that that follows um, the broader corporate strategy that's set. Now, when the individuals have the ability to make those decisions, you stay nimble. Richard, it's quite apparent after speaking with you on this Zoom interview that, you know, your reputation of being a thought leader in the fintech infrastructure business is, is well warranted. There's so much to digest uh, during this call, you've given some very, very, uh, not only inspiring ideas, but creative ideas as well. And we really appreciate that. Richard, this has been well worth the wait. I know we've tried to get you on the show for a while and you fit us into your schedule. And uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. This has been uh, very enlightening and I've learned so much just from speaking with you. I want to personally thank you for, for being on the show today. Thanks, Andy. I've really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, thank you for the support. You're welcome. Thank you.